What's up? What's going on? What it be? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are and wherever you may be. This is the Mad Nucleus Podcast and I'm your host, Justin Felton, for those that know and those that don't know. Thank you all for listening today. All right, today we celebrate the 30th anniversary of an album that kind of changed some things in the hip-hop genre. This album is called Reaching, a refutation of time and space, done by a group called the Diggable Planet. All right, here we go. I want to do a history lesson. As you all know, I've done these several times. You can say many or plenty times, more than I can count now. But we're going to dive into the little history lesson, why it's a classic, why so many hip-hop fans love it. Just about every hip-hop fan that's a hip-hop fan loves this album. And we can dive into the history about how this album came about, you know, the impact it has, and where it stands in today's culture and hip-hop. So, without further ado, let's break it down and see what we got. Alright, I'm going to read an article from a website called ClassicAlbumSundays.com done by one, what's his name, Owen Jones. So, let's read what he has to say, and I've glanced at this, so, you know, alright. The names Butterfly, Doodlebug, and Ladybug may introduce more images of child's play than New York hip-hop. But within Diggable Planet's strange solar system, these quirky monikers make perfect sense. Blending head in the clouds, fantasy with the tactile reality of their everyday lives in the urban metropolis, the young trio synthesize an infectiously smooth style of rap that was nonetheless unafraid to tackle the complex issues facing their, both their immediate and wider community. Their classic 1993 debut, Reaching, a refutation of time and space, remains one of the most singular albums from a fertile period in New York hip-hop's early 90s renaissance. The brainchild of Seattle-born Ishmael Butterfly Butler, Diggable Planets became life as a solo project after the inspiring MC made the cross-country move to Brooklyn. Crossing paths with dancer Mariana Ladybug Mecca Vieira and Craig Doodlebug Irving, who was already part of a group called Dread Poet Society. At various shows and house parties in New York, Philadelphia, and D.C., the group eventually took shape in 1989, before signing with Pendulum Records in 1992. The group wasted no time in setting to work on songs for their debut album, drawing on material from their previous musical ventures, seeking new musical forms through combination and experimentation. By 93, there was already a well-established ecosystem of conscious hip-hop collectives spread across the New York area, led by the likes of De La Soul, the Native Tongues, A Tribe Called Quest, and the Jungle Brothers, all a part of the same collective, the Native Tongues, and you know, the Zulu Nation. This distinctive branch of rap emphasized a pan-African, socially aware, and proud outlook on African-American life, whilst connecting 
the dots between numerous pools of black artistry, building on the sense of collective identity cultivated through each form. Diggable Planets, debut single, Rebirth of Slick, Cool Like That, slotted neatly into that this category. It's tumbling bass line plucked from an Art Blakely and the Jazz Messengers record and nestled within a plethora of 70s funk samples, highlighted the group's reverence for past musical forms. Whilst their laid-back rhyme style suggested the effortless relaxation of a hot Sunday afternoon in front of the stereo. Yeah, man. I mean, when I first heard that record, it was like, I asked my sister, who are these people? And she said, Diggable Planets. And, you know, the the, the, the horns kicked in after the tuba bass. And it, it was just, just surreal. I was like, what am I hearing? I love this. And there's you don't hear the name Diggable Planets often or a name like that. So that stuck in my mind. I needed to know who they were. In 1992, when that single kicked, I was like, yeah, I like this. Just to let y'all know. All right, let's continue on. An uncanny blend of past, present, and future lens reaching its uniquely alien quality. Whilst the album's instrumental backbone draws from the deep well of musical heritage trapped in dusty vinyl collections, the group's psychedelic approach to lyricism, which sees them frequently blend fantasy with reality propels their music into outer orbit. Numerous songs, such as the album opener, It's Good to Be Here, are preoccupied with wide-eyed Afro-futuristic tales of space travel as butterfly raps stopped at Pluto to cop some patrol, met some Klingons, and got, got our things on. Cruising warp six with Mr. Wiggles in the mix, Hendrix passing peas, star child, get the fix. Frequently connections are made across decades and planets between fact and fiction, underpinning a jumbled grab bag aesthetic that rewards stone perplexity and mental abstraction. Whilst New York provides an earthbound backdrop, Digital Planets often toy with conventional notions of location-based identity, choosing instead of instead to explore liberal values surrounding heritage community and cross-cultural identity where i'm from ahmed play with the izzy from ahmed play with izzy where i'm from the philosophy of marx sarti and niche and niche bleeds seems seamlessly into vivid descriptions of footwear, hair care, and printed shirts, chipping away at the barriers, separating intellectual thought from everyday life, expounding a new theory of interconnection. The album's title, drawn from an essay by the Argentinian theorist Jorge Luis Borges, theorizes that time and space are relatively only to the individual that each person could tap into somewhere new and unique. On reaching, the trio achieved a balance between oddball quirkiness and earnest idealism. The pro-choice La Femme Battelle approaches a thorny topic and breezy pragmatism and soft-spoken storytelling, marking a radical statement for a 90s hip-hop act. Even if it was expressed exclusively through Butterfly's male perspective, Within an often 
stifling the masculine genre typified by all-male collectives such as N.W.A., Wu-Tang Clan, and the Tribe Called Quest, Ladybug Mecca's effortlessly slick lyrical presence creates an, an, an equilibrium that challenges the notion of patriarchal exclusivity. Exclusivity, or exclusivity. Although many of the songs center around the de facto leader Butterfly, Doodlebug, and Ladybug's presence provide the central color to his soliloquies. Ideas bounce between MCs with the smooth motion of a relay team. Like on the field game, right? That's what he's trying to say. Through his, I, through his idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic brand of acid-tinged hip-hop was never destined for mainstream domination, Reaching's artistic achievements are criminally uns- undersung despite the widespread retrospective affection for New York's 90s golden era. When viewed against the gritty work of their contemporaries, the trio's sunny optimism remains a warm and inviting oddity over 25 years later and a refreshing recalibration of a well-established format. Far from alienating their audience and their community, diggable planets were fascinated with the building blocks of everyday life and everyday people. This article had to be written about five years ago because today, February 9th, is the 30th anniversary of reaching a reputation of time and space, which dropped February 9th, 1993. Um, I mean, should I give my thoughts now or should I find something else to read about this album? Because I want to give y'all, I don't want to give y'all, you know, 10, 15 minutes of talking about classic albums like this. I want more, you know, to give y'all more. This is what I want to do. So I'm going to find some others. I mean, I don't think, I can't find anything else right now. All right, let me go back to what I like. All right, the production of this thing, I mean, I'm really fascinated with the production is like. So the production of the album produced by Diggable Planets, Ishmael Butler, Butterfly, and features raps from Butler, Irvin, and Vieira. The production leans heavily on jazz samples. Butler explained that it was all about resources, really. I just went and got the records that I had around me. And a lot of those were my dad's shit which was lots of jazz. The whole concept of we're a jazz group didn't go down like that. Except that DJ Premier was a big influence and he sampled a lot of jazz, yeah. Primo was just, you know, he used to kill it with, the, the, with those heavy jazz samples early in Gangstar's career. Man, it was crazy. Lyrically, the tone of the album is less overtly political than its, you know, successor, successor Blow cone, but still touches on issues such as abortion rights, La Femme Fatale, La Femme Fetal, Fetal, and the drug abuses of jazz musicians, Last of the Speedy Yachts. Yeah. The album title derives from a reputation, a new reputation of time, an essay by Argentinian author George A. Luis Borges. 
as well as the tendency of earlier jazz musicians in naming their albums, moaning, cooking, etc. Butler and Irving give a track-by-track -track account of the album and its production in Brian Coleman's book, Check the Technique. I mean, that's a book I think everybody needs to uh, read because they're, he's actually interviewing artists. They're the ones giving the perspective on these albums instead of some know-it-all who was never around the studio or even talked to any of these albums, any of these artists about the albums and stuff. So that's a book you need to go and get. I mean, the reception, I mean, all music, Chicago Tribune, Entertainment Weekly, Los Angeles Times, NME, Pitchfork Media, Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stone Album Guide, Spin Alternative, Record Guide, The Village Voice, all give it anywhere between an A and a B, it looks like. Or they got their rating system as five stars, four stars, eight out of ten, nine out of ten, they, you know. This album was for real. I listened to this album the other day. And just was blown away even 30 years later after uh, watching it. The single Rebirth of Slick became a hit in 1993, breaking into the top 15 on the Billboard Hot 100 charts and winning Grammy Award for Best Rap Duo Performance or Group in 1994. In 1998, Reachin' was listed as in the source's 100 rap albums, Best Rap Albums. In 2008, Rebirth of, Rebirth of Slick cool like that was ranked number 62 on vh1's 100 greatest songs of hip-hop the song rebirth of slick cool like that was used for a tie commercial in 2009 i mean you can look at the charts and you know if you into that stuff but his legacy cannot be denied folks you know um i would like to say my thoughts on this album was, you know, you get blown away if you listen to it. This album is about maybe 45 minutes long. It's not a very long album. It has a few long cuts, but not very long. You know, they have three charting singles. You know, of course, Rebirth of Slick, Cool Like That. Um, that dropped in November 9th, 1992. Where I'm from, released in April of 1993, in Nickel Bags of Funk, or Nickel Bags, released in August of 1993, August 26th. Diggable Planets is a group I call the Beatniks of Hip Hop. If there's anybody familiar with Beatnik culture, you would know what I'm talking about. I mean, for those of you that don't know what a beatnik is and you've heard the term a few times, they're the type of people they go to art galleries and, you know, they go to lounges and, and you know, they drink espressos, they drink, you know, they listen to lounge music and stuff. They go to, like I said, they go to art galleries, they, you know, they experiment with all these type of things to do. And, you know, they travel a lot. They like to go to Paris. They got, like to go to these places that, that represents what they're about. You know, you know, just think of people like Andy Warhol and uh, John Michel Basquiat. They, they're part of that culture. You know, these people are like the beatniks of hip-hop. And it's a shame that they weren't appreciated more. Their, their their work was not appreciated more. To me, these these 
This trio is what hip hop really needs. And of course, like I said, we all love our Wu Tangs. We all love our Tribe Called Quests, our NWAs. We all love our uh, Junior Mafias, Mob Deeps, and all of that. We love them. But if you want to invoke positive change, you know, less vulgarity, way less vulgarity and stuff. This was the group to look for. And of course, Tribe Called Quest mostly too. De La Soul. Other alternative acts. You know. But I think this group deserves more respect. This album definitely has everybody's respect, but the group itself doesn't have everyone's respect. And to me, it's a crime. I mean, I'm, I'm going to see if I can find some other articles on this because I'm glad there was one article. Um, okay, let me read what Pitchfork Media has. This is my last one I'm going to read. And judging by this, this is kind of long. All right, all right. I got the vocal cords. I got the patience for this. How about y'all? Y'all just lending an ear to this. I got to read this to you. But thank you for lending your ears if you're still listening. Worldwide, worldwide, this is what we're going to do. All right. This is by Sheldon Pierce. The jazz rap trio's 1993 debut questions the very fabric of our existence while celebrating its nuances. Seconds into Diggable Planet's song and you'll hear it. The Afrofuturism of Sun Ra, the unorthodox free jazz of Albert Ayler's. Albert Ayler, the black spirituality of John Coltrane's A Love Supreme, the spoken word funk of the last poets. Freedom and progressiveness, oneness, harmony, and serendipity are the core tenets that would come to define the rap trio and their ideology throughout their career. How fitting, then, that intuition and a kiss of luck would birth their first jazz rap odyssey, 1993's reaching a new reputation of time and space, which is both a product of community and exploration. Diggable Planets followed in the conscious footsteps of the 90s New York collective Native Tongues, spearheaded by a tribe called Quest, Jungle Brothers, and De La Soul, which was cultivating a more positive-minded jazz-influenced rap community, linking from varying backgrounds, the three planets, MCs, Ishmael Butler, Craig Irvin, and Mary Ann Vieira, sought to embody the inclusivity their forebears had bought to rap reaching tested the limits of hip-hop alchemy creating otherworldly transmissions that sample hard bopping jazz acts they turned call <clears throat> they turned call marks sonny rollins and parliament into pillars of their cool communal space the group formed through chance encounters in 1987 as if by his met. Each member was already active on local rap scenes. Butler was workshopping planets pretending he was a group on his demo 
Irvin was booking shows around Howard University and rapping in another tongue's inspired group called Dread Poet Society. And Biera was in a dance crew that backed up rap acts when they came to town. Because she's from D.C. After repeatedly running into each other along the coast in New York, Philly, and D.C. at venues, house parties, and hangout spots, Butler finally enlisted Irvin and Vieira for the third iteration of his ongoing, fledgling Diggable Planets project. They took on the names Butterfly, Doodlebug, and Ladybug Mecca, respectively, and the group quickly congealed, with each member possessing their own effortless style and indelible flavor. <clears throat> the newly minted trio signed with Pendulum Records in 92 and they started recording songs for their debut album almost immediately. They needed to cut records for a production demo and Butterfly suggested that they use an old Dread Poet Society song called Skin Treatment. With the blessing of Doodlebug's old groupmates, Diggable Planets, combined the song with another called Brown Baby Funk, a fusion that birthed Rebirth of Slick Cool Like That, in a fadable jazz rap album that won the group a Grammy and put them on the map. Well-deserved Grammy there. Because it, it was unlike anything we had heard before, folks. I mean, where were y'all when that song came out? I want to know. When I post this on my social media platform, and for those of y'all who have Anchor and Spotify, leave me a comment. There's a comment section there. Leave me a comment uh, telling me where we, you was at or how you felt about it. And that's for any of my uh, podcasts, by the way. All right, let's continue on. With both local jazz and rap clubs back in the single, the Airplay Boosted Cut continued to build momentum. They didn't set out to be a jazz rap group. They simply made use of available resources, sampling what was around them and being as creative as their circumstances would allow. Their raps reflected their respective worlds merging. Butler's jazz roots, Irvin's street savvy, and Vieira's cross-cultural identity. Reaching is an album about freedom from convention, from oppression, from the limits imposed by the space-time continuum. It envisions slick rhythms and grooves as emancipation from the natural order of the physical universe. As Ladybug Mecca puts it in on the last of the speedy yachts, it's simple. Swing be the freaking of the time, the spinning by the king's good for speaking of the mind. Its smoothness feeds the agency of its inhabitants, whose vivid, weirdo raps conceptualize life outside of the binary. Yep. There's some talk of confrontational inner city street politics, but Diggable were foremost promoters of peace and unity, and both their rap names and their music bore out their messages. Reaching found a through line from more philosophical philosophical thinking to pragmatic street dweller wisdom and logic. References from big thinkers like Marx, Fromm, Sartre, Camus, and uh, Nietzsche are scattered across the record on songs like Pacific, soundtrack to New York is Red is, New York is Red Hot. Sounds like 
some of the stuff the other article I read to you sound like. I was just glancing at it. The album got its name from an essay by Argentinian writer and theorist Jorge Luis Borges. Okay, we got through that. They, like Borges, theorized that time and space are conceptual relating to only individuals. Outside of its obvious jazz homage, the title track was meant as a mark of their aspirations, as Butterfly put it, their efforts trying to get to a new place. Reaching is at once vintage and futuristic, a vision for a new utopia influenced by the past, daring to imagine insulated black communities as separate from Earth, unified, Afrocentric, and untarnished by subjugation. It's a world within a world, complete with its own language and monuments and dogma. Comparing New York to a museum is graffiti as much as high art as the work of Darius Salvatore Dali. Diggable planets make their own pre-internet information exchange, where traveling a few blocks could mean introduction to a completely new milieu, where little ever gets lost in translation where the inspiration for ideas occurs as spontaneously as a trumpet solo. Butterfly produced reaching alongside Salman Shane Faber and Mike Mangini in basic makeshift studios erected in their tiny Jersey apartments. They were each well-equipped to help see the group's vision through. They had done programming and engineering work for Run DMC, Sean Puffy Combs, Queen Latifah, and leaders of the new school, Buster Rhymes old group. Faber was the engineer for Tribe, Tribe's People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, their debut album. The, the album's uh, sound bed is warm and swinging. Carefully selected samples are sewn together at the helm. One sample might split open to reveal another as one as on what cool breezes do, or they'll all feed right into each other. The flutes, guitars, and bass that you one into the next one. Nickel bags are all separate elements from separate songs. The samples they couldn't afford, they recreate. Each track is unique, and yet every one is a puzzle piece completing the group's cosmic tape on transference. As the album's primary architect, Butterfly is at its center. Is at its center. But songs are often driven by Ladybug Mecca, who is silvery in her delivery, slipping promptly in and out of moments like a pre-natural groove. Reader natural groove. You mean pre-natural groove. Okay. Doodlebug imparts his wisdom as digressions, kicking facts in a wingman capacity. As a unit, they never miss a beat, constantly attuned to each other's frequencies, moving in sync and sharing ideas. So much of the action is relying on their ability to read each other and react accordingly. To big up someone when the moment strikes or to seed the spotlight just in time. This awareness pays off on time and space, a new reputation of, where each verse latches into the next, every MC propelling the one that comes after. The other members 
even giving Butterfly, even give Butterfly the chance to do a few solo cuts, somehow never sucking the wind out of the group sale. La Femme Fitel, an upright, bass-led, pro-choice parable, is written in the style Butterfly's idol. Jalil Mansur Nuridin of The Last Poets, with a loose, almost interpretive flow that ebbs and rises to suit the inflections of Nuridin's cosmic storytelling. The old on the old one of raps earliest defenses of women's rights serves as a cornerstone of the group's progressive sensibility. Yeah. That song is dope. I love it. Reaching is among hip-hop's greatest artifacts, the realization of the native tongue's vision for perfect rap harmony. They personify the balance they promote. It's an album that questions the very fabric of our existence while celebrating its nuances. As diggable planets refute the boundaries of their continuum, their imagined cosmology, cosmology creates a jazzy, spatial anomaly full of sonic wonders and game theory. It is an enduring, inclusive work that helped usher in a wave of vibrant oddball thinkers in rap, a funk dimension that envelopes you and embraces all in service of the collective. One of rap's mellowest crews shared a heartfelt ode to soul and jazz that sought to open the gateway into a more enlightened future. Yep. Even though they was repeating some of the same stuff from the last article, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree, folks. I mean, when you got an album that's so different, so catchy, and you're bobbing your head the whole time, you're dancing, you know, I think people of all types of backgrounds and cultures can say, I'm digging this. I like this. Who's these folks? That's how I was when I was a kid. When I asked my sister who they were, we was watching MTV that day and that video came on. You know, it was black and white. They were in the subway. You know, I see Ladybug fine ass. And I said, who are they? And I mean, she was killing it. Doodlebug was killing it and Butterfly was killing it. And that beat. And it was like, yo, that's. This is gonna be a song for remember forever a day in the hip hop. And then when I heard the album years later, got the chance to really get the album, buy it on CD, and really hear it. And I said, this is it. If you're a music head or a hip-hop head like me, you would know. Now, we're going to have opinions on varying degrees, but you cannot listen to that album and tell me that won't it. You can be a Tupac and Biggie fan and be like, that's it. You can be an NWA fan, a Wu fan and say, that's it. I'm telling you. Like I said, they, they were built for beatnik culture. I mean, a lot of people ain't into the beatnik culture. They drink espressos. They go to lounge music, art galleries. They've traveled to Paris. You know, the whole line, the, the, the Andy Warhol crowd. But people are all phases of life. 
could enjoy this album and should be thanking them, embracing them, wanting more from them. That's how I look at it. And that's an album you can play on repeat. Yeah, I said what I said. What y'all think? Like I said, leave me a comment when I post this on my social media platform. And for those of you that got Anchor, um, and even Spotify, if there's a comment section in Spotify, I'm not sure, but on Anchor, there's a comment section for suggestions and comments and stuff like that. What do y'all think? And this is for anything I post. What do y'all think? So I think we pretty much covered everything. So, again, I would like to thank y'all for listening to the Mad Nucleus Podcast. Thank you for joining me worldwide, wherever you may be. And until next time, peace. I'm out.